Tomorrow's news. The news today, tomorrow. Wait, that that doesn't sound right. How can we give the news tomorrow? Ah, I believe it's actually the news tomorrow today. A simple mistake for a simple person. Thanks, Simon and Simon. I always appreciate your help. Hello and welcome to tomorrow's news. The news tomorrow, today. I'm Elizabeth Longstaff. And I'm Simon Smyman. Our headlines today. After abruptly cancelling HS2, the government has unveiled plans for HS2 too. She's back. The woman herself, Princess Diana, has been brought back to life to help inspire vaccine taker. And we bring you the latest on a dramatic BBC obituaries leak. HS2 was cancelled this week in a surprise move from the government. A bunch of middle-class people with hybrid cars, formerly known as the Green Party, have hailed this success in denying public transport to the masses. However, in the last half an hour, the government has announced its successor, HS2... 2. Joining us now is the Government Minister for Trains, Cynthia Navi. Cynthia, why has the government done this? Well, firstly, we just want everyone to know that we haven't actually listened to the Greens on this one. To be crystal, crystal clear, we take it as a principle to not listen to vegans about anything. So why have you done it? Well, quite frankly, it was all costing too much. We'd already used up most of the new numbers, <coughs> and we're starting to consider the development of numbers three. But we have big plans to build on the successes of HS2 with HS22, bringing high-speed rail to some people. Like what? Excuse me? What are the new plans, and what successes are they building on? Well, the... the previous... plans are... success and... all that good stuff. So, nothing is new. Of course things are new! I'm just, uh, working out the right way to phrase them. Are there any kinks? Well, that's a bit personal. In the line. Oh! Wait. Yes, I know. I know what's new about it. Firstly, it's got a new name. HS2-2. Right. Also, also, we're building on how HS2 didn't get to Birmingham or the North by avoiding them completely with HS2-2. So where does the new line go? It goes straight to Edinburgh, so our glorious leader can more easily make the case for the Union via his hunky and very physical presence. After all, we, we all know how much the Scots love Boris. Uh, I get skipping Birmingham, but sources have told us you have to go via the North to get to Scotland anyway, so why not stop there? We want HS22 to provide safe and relaxing journeys, and I can think of nothing less safe or relaxing than being in a confined space with a Northerner. Besides, the new head of HS22, who, to protect their identity, is known as the Fat Controller, assures us we can skip it entirely and... I trust him. When can we expect the line to be open? Well, because HS22 is more ambitious than HS2, we're committed to the first services operating in X plus 2. So, sorry, did you say X? Yes, we use it as a placeholder for whatever the current year is. So it will be ready in two years? X plus 2. Cynthia, thank you. And now to our coverage of the UK vaccine rollout, which has been accelerating steadily over the last few weeks. Indeed, it seems like our Conservative government and getting Brexit done has actually helped to expedite the process, which everyone is just thrilled about, obviously, and I remain very happy for them and wish them continued success. But vaccine confidence remains low in one key demographic, 
middle-aged people who read the Daily Express and spend too much time on Facebook. In order to inspire uptake amongst this group, scientists have taken it a step further and have reanimated the corpse of Princess Diana to give her the vaccine live on Channel 5, who inexplicably won the broadcasting rights. We go now live to Professor Moreau, who led the team behind the remarkable feat, as well as Diana herself. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to be here. Professor, we understand that you've brought the beloved People's Princess back to life in order to give her the vaccine and inspire confidence in middle-aged people who've really enjoyed the crown. Indeed. Looking at the data, it's hard to ignore the strong correlation between anti-vax sentiments and those who believe a Princess Diana Memorial Foundation should be a statutory right. We considered other famous and well-loved faces, of course, Bruce Forsyth and Margaret Thatcher were also shortlisted, but they were deemed too publicly divisive and likely to plunge us into the apocalypse. We thought that by reanimating the thankfully well-preserved corpse of Princess Diana, we can inspire some pro-vaccine sentiments and finish off with a helping of affectionate nationalism to boot. A real win-win, as we like to say in the world of science. Do you have anything to say in response to the critics who have claimed that the deal you were just and I'm quoting here, pulling some kind of sick Weekend at Bernie's type deal. I'd like to assure everyone listening tonight that Princess Anna is indeed back, and happy to have had the vaccine, and doesn't have the slightest craving for brains or world domination. I think it's ridiculous that anyone would suggest such a thing. Was anyone suggesting that? <clears throat> no, not to my knowledge. Now, Diana, I imagine you must have had quite the shock once you were brought back. Do you have any questions for the Professor and their team? Oh, yes, yes. Who are you? What the hell are you doing to me? How can you monsters laugh in the face of all that is holy? Ha <laughs> ha. After the initial shock, I was just glad that Friends carried on for seven more seasons after my death. It was a real bombshell for me that Ross said the wrong name at his wedding. What has surprised you most about the modern world? I would have to say Camilla. A nice surprise, if anything, though. And I know we're all eager to know... What's next for Princess Diana? I'm very excited to announce that Netflix are already planning to reshoot the latest series of The Crown to include me in it. I'm also considering launching a range of new beauty blenders for Primark. I've heard they sell genuinely lovely products. And there you have it, folks. Stay at home, protect the NHS. Please trust the reanimated corpse of Princess Diana. The BBC has come under scrutiny this week after hundreds of drafted obituaries were leaked by a whistleblower. The obituaries, which are re-edited and released in the case of a figure's passing, were revealed in their hundreds and covered a wide range of significant figures, both young and old, by an employee with an extremely loud whistle. The BBC defended the drafts as being regular practice for a broadcast company. However, a sift through the divulged dedications reveals some unsavoury additions. Since the majority of these figures remain alive, for example, their cause of death has been predicted by the obit writers. The methodology behind said forecasts is unknown at this time, but they include Russell Brand choking to death on a hedgehog, Mary Berry losing her lungs in a game of poker, and the rapper Dappy falling down a large well. Many have come out and criticised the BBC, calling it crass, insensitive journalism. We spoke to anti-BBC campaigner Geoffrey Michael. Well, it's a complete disgrace, really, isn't it? They should be ashamed. Is there any way they could win back your respect? Oh, no. Unless all the people mentioned in those obituaries were now to die. You know, in the 
name of journalistic integrity. You mean, if the BBC were to hunt them down? Yes. Not everyone took the news badly, however. Pitbull argued the leak was actually a positive for public safety. <coughs> now over to the other news. Not this news, but that news. With our walking midlife crisis, Olivia Stiffbottom. Hello and welcome to the other news. I'm Olivia Stiffbottom. Divorced. But, but! Dating a man half my age? Okay. Rogue move from me. Um, so whilst I wait for him to text me back, which is fine, um, here's a special report from Elena Johnson. Bribery. We've all done it. You, yes you, may even have used it to get into university. Two days ago, elite government memo revealed how the government has been taking so many bribes they've lost track of who they're for and businesses aren't happy. I'm joined now by the head of generic company TM, Gloria Pounds, and the recently appointed Minister for Bribery, Michelle Johnson, who I've obviously never met in my entire life. Of course. Firstly, Gloria, just what effect is the government confusion on bribery having on your business? Well, we've lost out on some big deals. We donated £5,000 to local Conservative Party so we could get a contract procuring potatoes for hospitals in the Barnsley area that just never materialised. And how much was the contract worth? £70 million per month. £100 million if we made the potatoes out of crude oil. This is a serious loss for our business. How are we supposed to survive when we can't get contracts we worked hard to bribe for? Michelle, what does the government have to say about this injustice? I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation. Well, of course, Winnie. I mean, Winona. The government is shocked that this memo was leaked. We pride ourselves on our skill in managing bribery, so to see comments such as we've mixed up the list of bribes by HS22 developers and those who want to use Pretty Patel's death camps as their personal purge zone, so we are, of course, committed to ensuring justice for the bribers, the real victims here. Is that perfectly reasonable and heartfelt apology enough, Gloria? It's something but it doesn't solve the problem of how opaque the process of government bribery has become. This government has solicited like a harlot Please and- Please can we not use such regressive and misogynistic language? I believe the correct term is minimum wage workers. Michelle, your great and witty response to those accusations of opacity. The formation of a ministry for the acceptance and management of bribes, which I am proud to lead, is all part of the government's strategy for making bribery a more transparent process, where bribes will lead to clear outcomes. And what about those fools who say this is just corruption? We reject all accusations of corruption, as we're not a poor country in the global south. Gloria Pounds and Michelle Johnson, thank you both. Back to you, Olivia. I just don't understand it. I know, I know. You can do so much better than him. How long does it take to text back? Oh, darling, we're on air. <clears throat> and, and now to a more serious matter. We like to have a joke here at Tomorrow's News as much as the next completely legitimate news show. Agreed. But something abhorrent happened during last week's show. Something so terrible we can barely even discuss it on air. This is exactly the problem we faced as the virus of cancel culture struck at the heart of the Swen News team. Yes, cancel culture. The worst ill that modern society faces. Not only does it affect beloved middle-aged rich men or historic statues of people who became rich by selling people as property, 
but your own dear Swen News team has been hit right at the core as last week we were unable to say on air. Yes, something as innocuous as a is apparently no longer fit for air on a highly successful and real news show. At the heart of this is Olivia Stiffbottom, who was the one who was discussing the last week, which was censored. Olivia, how does this make you feel? Well, to be honest with you, it made me question the very ethics that I live by. I was doing my utmost, to, for purely journalistic purposes, to, to find out how someone could love a when I was told that I couldn't use that word. Shocked me to my core. It made me out to be a villain and it showed me how vulnerable we all are to this monster. I didn't want to get divorced all over again, to be honest. You poor thing. This really is the worst thing that could have possibly have happened. And we all support you in this difficult time. Thank you, Elizabeth. And to be honest, I don't know if I'll ever recover. Now, about that text... Thank you, Olivia. And now to Maxwell Triple Barrel surname, a man who's been railing against cancel culture for a long time before this, having written a book titled Cancelled, The Struggles of a Middle-Class White Man from... You laughed at me when I first said this was what cancel culture can do to us. They called me mad. A privileged fool with no real worries in life. But now you've seen the damage it can do. You finally understand. You'll finally see how cancel culture is eating away at our freedoms to the point where the discussion of a is no longer tolerated on the radio. When I got cancelled, I told you all that you were next. But did you listen? No. But, Maxwell, with all due respect, you were cancelled for... Do you really think this is a fair equivalent? This is the exact mindset of the Woke Brigade. They're obsessed with the past. Just look at how they tore down those statues. You can't look to the past to solve the problems of the present, and the problem of the present is cancel culture. You can't say I didn't warn you. Just ask Winona. She understands the political ramifications of this. Winona, do you agree? To be honest with you, Simon, like all political journalists, I don't view things that don't affect me as a problem. It wasn't until I saw the abhorrent effects that cancel culture can have that I really understood that this is a problem which can affect anyone in the public eye who might have skeletons in their closet. Not that I have any, of course. So, yes, I believe cancel culture is the biggest political problem of our times. And, of course, the only people to blame for pushing this are the Labour Party and the metropolitan liberal elite. Thank you, Winona, for that typically insightful view. Now, Wensleydale, I know you also feel quite strongly about this too. Well, my question is, where does this stop? I mean, what's next? My uncle, the arms dealer, gets cancelled? My openly racist brother gets sacked from Morgan Stanley? It's preposterous and completely against the values of ignorance and bloody-mindedness that I was raised on. I mean, as long as you can sing God Save the Queen and have a constant feeling of inherent superiority mixed with a helpless inadequacy, you should be a proud part of this wonderful British society we've built. I would quite agree. You know, I was once cancelled for. Oh dear, I'm, I'm so sorry. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's just preposterous. And I could tell from the judge's body language he felt the same way. I mean, really, since when is it not allowed to call your wife and children... 
Am I the only one here who's never been cancelled? So, as you can see, we all agree that cancel culture is an evil that strikes at the heart of our noble society. Actually, I would disagree. Yes, all of us agree we should all do everything in our power to destroy cancel culture and everything associated with it. And now for the ad with Keith. Hello, my name is Keith. I'm the CEO of Tide Incorporated. You're probably wondering why that name sounds familiar. Well, you're likely to know us from our big hitter, Tide Pod. Now, we want to make it clear. You should not eat Tide Pods. Nor should you eat any of our other products, such as our world-famous Tide Bleach, a highly toxic substance. But as we move into 2021, we here at Tide wanted to show you, our loyal customer base, that we were listening. We now understand that you want to eat Tide Pods. So we did what any reasonable chemical company would do. We made sweets. That's right. You can now buy a completely edible sweet version of Tide Pod. Plump and juicy like our original product, they now come in a variety of flavors, from sweet linen to Lenore Spring. Now, unfortunately, our edible Tide Pods aren't suitable for washing clothes. So for your convenience, you can find them in any major retailer right next to the normal Tide Pod. We know you're worried that you may get these confused with the actual Tide Pods and nobody wants you to eat Tide Pods less than our legal team. So, we've placed a handy marking on the box to help distinguish them. All you need to do is shine the box under a UV light to clearly see which box is edible and which isn't. We're excited for this new edible venture that Tide is taking. Look out in coming weeks for our new range of products, including the first ever Tide drink based on our extremely popular bleach. Until then, we hope you enjoy eating your Tide Pods, specifically the edible ones, and not the ones with a range of poisonous chemicals. And now for the weather, with me, Skylar Flurry. Those living in Plonkton were advised to stay indoors last night after the tiny village was coated in several inches of cannibal snow. The snow, which retains most of the visual hallmarks of its innocuous counterpart, can be identified by its flakes, which resemble small, gnashing mouths. Residents first noticed something was up when several large pets were consumed by the bloodthirsty blizzard, before an oblivious teenager attempted to make a snow angel and was devoured in frenzy of frost in people's insides. We spoke to a local resident, Marianne, who was caught in the carnage earlier today and killed to within an inch of her life by the carnivorous crystals of death. Marianne, we understand you went out in the snow and came back missing an arm. Fill in the blanks. Well, I was trying to get to my car before I knew there was this horrible burning sensation all over my body. I managed to get back inside, but not before they got in most of my hand and wrist. Now... As you can see, I've only got one arm. And how are you finding it? Not great. I quite liked having two arms. By this point, the snow had already consumed your husband and your eldest son? That's right. Yes. So why on earth did you go out there? I had to go to work. The government says I'm a key worker. And where exactly do you work? Costa. Sad. Whilst these freakish weather cycles may spell bad luck for humanity in the long term, very soon they're set to prove a blessing for the people of Plonkton, with several days of intense snow-killing sun forecast for next weekend. If you're a resident, we advise you to sit back, pour yourself a tall drink and watch the buggers burn. Good yesterday. I am Richard Dick with the sports. 
Our main story today. Saintly saints don't seem so saintly after nine travel across the line. The scandal on the south coast worsened as the inquiry into border controls revealed players arrived in a stolen coach. Redmond lose mistakes and misfortune while the team refused to pay new travel restriction fines of £10,000 because they obviously have never made that much money, we're rubbish. Pretty Patel made a statement on the debacle saying she is currently considering floating the team out into the channel to test the previously announced refugee boat sinking iceberg initiative, claiming, I doubt they will be missed. If anything, it will be Premier League football a favour. <sighs> Actually, do you know what? I'm so fed up with the sports segment. I'm just so sick of there not being any proper sports to report on. My father worked hard to get me where I am in my career, and I deserve to report on some actual news once in a while. Something more important, like, oh, I don't know, I'll find something. Breaking news from me, Foreign Affairs Editor Maxwell Triple Barrel Surname. Conditions in Myanmar continue to deteriorate as protests continue against the recent military coup. International responses have escalated, with widespread condemnation of the new military regime and its responses to protests. Yet while the US, EU, UK and other countries have spoken out, one figure remains staunchly in support of the military takeover. James Corden, star of Gavin and Stacey and Cats, was caught recently meeting with Commander-in-Chief, oh boy, Min Aung Long. The two were spotted entering into a tank together, in which they proceeded to sing a rendition of Queen's Don't Stop Me Now, as they dispersed protesters in the streets. It is believed that the collaboration was part of the production of Corden's upcoming series, Cool Pool Karaoke. To help us explain the situation, we have the person coming for my job, international affairs correspondent, John Appleseed. Hello again, John. Hello, Maxwell. So tell me, John, why exactly is James Corden collaborating with the new military government? Well... This remains subject to a good deal of speculation as numerous theories emerge. Some claim this is an effort by Corden to reinvigorate his career after a recent slump, or to become one in an increasingly long line of celebrities seeking to enter into politics. Other, more outlandish theories posit that James Corden is working alongside a shadowy group of other failing comedians to bring about the death of humour as we know it. The group, Kazoo Anon, believes that the events in Myanmar merely foreshadow a bleak future for late-night talk shows. Frightening stuff. And what's your take on this? Personally, I believe that this is simply a mutually beneficial agreement for Corden and the Burmese military. In exchange for his collaboration, Corden has managed to get the national curfew pushed back from midnight to 11 o'clock. In time, people to catch his talk show on state television, boosting his ratings. And what do the military get out of this? Simple. By getting the population to watch James Corden besides their military leader, they get to see that the new military government, in contrast to Corden, really isn't as evil as it could be. James Corden serves as a testament to the failures of a democratic society. Troubling times indeed. Thanks, John. I've been Maxwell Triple Barrel Surname now. Off to the arts. Good evening. I'm Meredith Hibbertson with the arts. The Swedish Academy made waves this week after announcing its winner for this year's Nobel Prize for Literature, Wattpad user Hermione Winchester Wolfgirl 13. The announcement comes after the mysterious user's latest work, a 34,000 word Harry Potter Teen Wolf crossover fan fiction that focused on an illicit relationship between Severus Snape and Stars Stalinsky, received wide acclaim in the literary world last year, being lauded by critics as 
revolutionary. Hermione Winchester Wolfgar 13, whose real name is Penelope Hastings, is set to be the youngest winner in history of any Nobel Prize, beating the holder of the previous record, Malala, at the age of only 12 years old. Speaking with Hastings at her family home in Slough, she stated that it was a dream come true. Other favourites for this year's nominees had included Haruki Murakami, Zadie Smith and Margaret Atwood, but many literary figures have praised the unconventional choice. It's a sign of the times, Murakami said in an interview with Sven News. I've been Meredith Hibbertson. Now time for some cheery local news. And now it is my sorry duty to bring you news of a terrible tragedy. Wensleydale Bagpuss is on the scene, and I have to warn you that his report contains distressing images, if you have a good imagination. Cheese. We've all heard of it. Some of us have eaten it, and some of us have really enjoyed it. But today, in the quaint village of Hanforth, ten people have been killed in a cheese-rolling event gone horribly wrong. A month of mourning has been declared, during which the deceased will all be given state funerals. Cheesemongers will go out of business as national anti-cheese sentiment reaches fever pitch, and rightly so. I myself, being named Wensleydale, embrace for some well-deserved verbal abuse. How was such a disaster allowed to occur? The cogs of tragedy were lit last summer, when the annual cheese rolling race, in which competitors race a wheel of cheese downhill, was covalled due to cancer 19. This forced cheese racing underground. Illicit cheese races have been taking place in the dead of night in fields and arable farmland across the UK, witnessed only by those hooked on the rush of the cheese chase. Plus the occasional owl or wayward vole. I'm told that about 2.35 this morning, brave athletes lined up at the top of Hobbling Scott Hill, unaware that race organisers had secured not one, but four cheeses, each the size of a tractor wheel, each a lovely, soft camembert, that would have graced any cheese board north of Paris. Uh, What followed was absolute chaos, resulting in 12 people embedded in the soft, delicious cheese as it continued to roll downhill at a terrifying pace, in a manner more befitting of a loony tune than a high-stakes clandestine fromage fray. All 12 are now dead, apart from two of them. I'm joined by a survivor, Dick Richard. Dick, how will cheese rolling recover from this? It'll be difficult. We're all absolutely devastated. This accident literally killed half of the people who knew about this sport. So why did you take part in these events? I just love the forbidden thrill of running through a field of wheat. It's so naughty. Hang on a jolly. I'd recognise that voice anywhere. Um... You're Richard Dick, the sports reader. What on earth are you doing at a cheese-rolling event gone wrong in Handforth? Well, to be quite honest... There just weren't any sports going on, and I got quite bored. (gasps) So you thought you'd lolly about with some camembert, get a few people killed, did you? Not show up to work? I suppose, when you put it like that... I, for one, am disgusted, and will be calling the Home Secretary to inform her of your actions. Wensleydale Bagpuss, crime-fighting correspondent, Hanforth. Wensleydale, uh, turn around. What in the... Oh, good God. Listeners... Goodness me, it's all been kicking off in Hanforth. We're getting reports of a a very large cow. Wensleydale, what can you tell us? Merry milkmaid. I mean, it's massive. Like, how big? Well, a good half a foot taller than one would call a normal cow. But to be perfectly honest with you, if this is what Mother Nature is putting out these days, then I wouldn't like to make presumptions. So it's large? God, oh no, it's staring at me. 
It's looking at me, Elizabeth, and I don't like it. <laughs> All right, just stay calm, Wensleydale. Its eyes, they are so big. Oh, no, uh, whatever you do, Wensleydale, don't look into its eyes. Oh, God, oh, God, I think it knows. It knows. Take Richard, not me. It's looking into my soul, into my shriveled, heartless, liberal elite soul. I think I feel the energy... Wensleydale? Uh, are you still here? Um, I'm afraid Wensleydale's just been carried off by the cow. Oh, dear. Uh, well, we can see from this that this is an extremely serious issue, and yes, I, I believe the government has just said that its official advice for anyone in Hanford is to stay inside and, if possible, not look at the very large cow. Words we can all get behind. And that's it from us. I am, and continue to be, Elizabeth Longstaff. And I am currently, but may not be in the future, Simon Smyman. Good morning. You've been listening to Tomorrow's News on Cam FM. Tonight's production was directed by Jake Rose and Jasper Cresdy Hyde, produced by Vicky Chu and edited by Jake Rose, written by Archie Breer, Jonathan Neary, Emily McPherson Smith, James Colhane, Genevieve Badia Aylin, Andy Bucks, Claudia Vivian, Rohan Sharma, Jake Rose and Jasper Cresdy Hyde, starring Jemima Langdon as Elizabeth Longstaff, Saul Bailey as Simon Smyman, Kitty Beck as Winona Johnson, Joe Folly as Maxwell Triple Barrel Surname, Barnaby Evans as Wensley Dale Bagpus, Edo Rosen as Keith, Iona Rogan as Olivia. Stiffbottom, Gabriel Jones as Richard Dick, Aista Miskerte as Skylar Flurry, and Holly Jones as Meredith Hibbertson. This episode also featured Nadia Lyons as Cynthia Navi, Majola Akiniemi as Professor Moreau, Anna Matani as Princess Diana, Sophie Craddock as Michelle Johnson, Inez Magre as Gloria Pounds, Alessia Mavacala as Marianne, and Isaac Allen as John Appleseed. The music you've heard was composed by Thomas Fields and Rainbows was composed by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons, with additional SFX provided by Zapsplat, Freesound, and Soundbible. Good night. So, you don't think... No, certainly not. It's just the unspoken journalistic etiquette. It simply doesn't happen. Oh, how disappointing. What if we pay them? Winona, none of that. Where's Olivia? Uh, Stiffbottom. Oh, asleep somewhere in Yorkshire, according to satellite imagery. Ooh, second date went well then. I don't know why you're all getting so hurt up over this. It's just Didn't a... Did they fire you for nudism? One time! It's here! It's here! Oh my god! Oh my god! <sighs> I thought it was your job to report on the weather, not make it. Hilarious. Stick to sports? Uh, news. Introspective essays from future opinion columnists. Ooh, Emma's getting a new master. Damn it, Simon, where's the theatre section? My self-worth depends on this. Wait! Look, everyone. Calm down. We're, we're probably going to get slated and... And you know what? That's okay. It's, it's okay. I, I've had so much fun reporting on the news with you all. My Swen news team. And, and we've still got four more episodes. So, so just maybe the real tomorrow's news was, was the friends we made along We've the... got five stars from Varsity! Holy fuck! Wow. Personally, I think this is because of my ads, which means I am the best and should have more ads in the future. Um, no, clearly it was my art section. I think clearly I am the star of the show. Sorry, but my name is Wensleydale Bagpuss. Obviously, I'm the highlight. It's not the news without the weather. Just saying. Unfortunately for you all, it's evident that sports is unambiguously the best bit. Uh, you're all wrong. Fry, Maxwell, Triple Barrel, Sun. God, you're, you're all like a bag of cats. Well done, everyone. Grumble, Gosh, I 
I suppose the next episode's got to be really good now, doesn't it? We'd better stick the writers on the conveyor belt again. Good idea. Oh, um, Simon, did, did Varsity get our payment? Thank <laughs> you.